we start a new series today, and I, um, I, I've kept trying to keep my pedal to the to the ground, or the old saying of try to stay on the pavement. Old way we say that years ago, and there's been. As you look at the news even, you've seen relationships struggle, a lot of domestic violence and all kinds of different things like that. And, and so instead of doing a series on giving right now, I want us to focus on this series, broken people's lives that are broken from relationships, but they're not dis- defeated. So let's stand and start the series off with Genesis chapter 42, we'll continue it all the way through to Father's Day. So it's going to be a minute um, on this series on relationships. Number one, I would like for our relationships as a church to be healthy. Why did Christ talk about walking out the church of Ephesus, the most healthy church in the New Testament? A lack of love. That's why. It wasn't because they didn't have the scriptures and know the Bible and served and did all those things. He said, I leave you for a lack of love. It means if they're not loving one another, even though they're going through all the rituals of the church, they're not loving him. God is love. Once you disconnect from God, like if you disconnect from the power company during the winter storm, (laughs) hallelujah, (laughs) we ain't got nothing, okay? So it could have all the switches in the house, all the stuff, the refrigerator, all the stuff, but they don't do what? If you disconnect from God, you got nothing. If you don't abide in me, you don't produce nothing. So when a person can't love somebody, the person they have disconnected from is God. And I want you to see this by picking up something that was extremely difficult in conflicts in the Bible. Extremely painful. Look at Genesis chapter 42, beginning in verse 8, and it says, But Joseph had recognized his brothers, although they did not recognize him. Joseph remembered the dreams which he had about them and said to them, You are spies. You have come to look at the undefended parts of our land. Then they said to him, No, my Lord, but your servants have come to buy food. For we all are sons of one man. We are honest men. Your servants are not spies. Yet he said to them, no, but you have come to look at the undefended parts of our land. But they said, no, your servants are 12 brothers in all, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. And behold, the youngest is with our father today, and one is no longer alive. Hmm, interesting. Joseph said to them, it is as I said to you, you are spies. By this, you will be tested. By the life of Pharaoh, you shall not go from this place unless your youngest brother come here. Exclamation point. Then one of, one of you that he may, send one of you that he may get your brother. While you remain confined, that your word may be tested whether there there is truth in you. But if not, by the life of Pharaoh, surely you are spies, which means they die. So he put them all together in a prison for three days. Look down at verse 21. And then they said, 
I'm in verse 18. And then now Joseph said to them, on the third day, do this and live. Here it is. For I fear God. Look at verse 21. Not them no more. He's the, he's the King Kong right now. I fear God. And they said to one another, truly we, have, we are guilty concerning our brother. Because we saw the distress of his soul when he pleaded with us. Yet we would not listen, therefore, the distress has come upon us. <laughs> and verse 24 says, and he turned away from them and wept. And when he had returned to them, he spoke, uh, he spoke to them. He took Simeon from them and bound him before their eyes. His history said that Simeon was the most evil of them all. Joseph is trying to make a point about his pain. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much that you didn't take these things out of the Bible. You didn't give us a bunch of holy people living holy every day. You give us a bunch of broken people trying to do right every day. Thank you, God. Thank you for never forgetting who we are when you drive us to focus on you. So, God, we ask you to bless this series of messages so we all grow and we become better through our trials, not bitter. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. If there's anything I know that could create a lot of stress in relationships is just conflict. Conflict. Conflict is two people disagreeing are not willing to come under the lordship of God because their emotions have become their God. That's conflict. Conflict is when a person believes they're so right and therefore the person is so wrong that they have to tear everything down in order to make their point. That's when conflict stays conflict. Conflict does not continue conflict when two people are willing to compromise. Conflict is not conflict when two people are willing to come under the lordship of Jesus Christ who is the common denominator that demands everything. Conflict does not continue when people's integrity is in place. Conflict is not, not continue when two people are committed first to love rather than to win. Standard statement I always say to many couples is, if you fight to win, you've killed your marriage. But if you fight for your marriage, you will lose yourself and gain a relationship. Standard statement. If you fight for your marriage, you will lose yourself and gain a relationship. But if you fight for yourself, you'll lose your marriage, you'll lose your family, and you would gain nothing because the person who fights for themselves will lose themselves. That's what the Scripture says, and nobody could change the Scriptures. So the more I fight for myself, as the Bible says, in the long run, is the more you lose yourself. And you will try to, to win the whole world to gain yourself, but then you'll lose your soul. You can't find any happiness, no peace, no nothing inside of us because you lose the very breath that you breathe. You don't even want to breathe anymore. That's what it means. I don't want to live anymore. I don't want to breathe anymore. Even though you have all the stuff the world can buy, it doesn't matter. I don't want to live anymore. That's what it matters. That's why you see a lot of rich people who have gained the world still commit suicide. Conflict would lead to a soul being lost. That's why the Bible is saying for us that when God faced conflict, 
For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. He showed us in a relationship that he fought for the agenda of God. I must be about my father's business. And it cost him in that conflict with the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the high priests, and all these different people. In that conflict that was constantly before him, even his own family, there was conflict. Jesus Christ would keep saying, I must be about my father's business. I must be about my father's business. And what did that cost him? His life. But guess what? He won his life when he sat at the right hand of the father. This is what Joseph is faced with, conflict. See, you could look at the story and just say, hey, you know what? Joseph ran into his brothers and no, 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 no. That's, you know, we we, we got to put this within its perspective. The places that stored the food for seven years in Egypt were all over Egypt. All over Egypt. You have a large nation. You have the most powerful nation in the known world here. It's like, it's like coming to America. There's lots of different states and places everywhere. All over the place. So, they, so they, they store food for this people over here. They store food in Texas. They store food in New York. They store food in different places in New York. They got vaccines happening in all these different places in New York. All these different places in Houston. All these different places around the Texas and around the different parts of the country. Florida. All these different places. They have all these different vaccines sites, no different than all his food sites. So with Joseph being over all of this, this Fauci, over all of this, how in the world does he end up where his brothers came? Because God doesn't remove us from conflict. Because God has an agenda attached to what he is trying to accomplish, and he's not forsaking that agenda for nobody. He sent Joseph into the worst scenario that Joseph could ever be in. In a place where women and men trade each other out. That's why Joseph was being brought in by Potiphar's wife. It's just normal. It's not abnormal for the husband to have many women and for the wife to have many men. So long they stay married. That, I'm sorry, that's just how it was. That's why you don't see Potiphar going, I can't believe he just put him in jail. It was a standard. He puts him in that. He made him a handsome young man. He made him a man that this woman would be attracted to when she got all these men around her all the time, taking care of the household items while her husband is gone. She's a wealthy person. So she, she attracted to that young man to put him in prison for 12 years. Why? So Joseph can be ready to manage a country. And so Joseph will not end up in that house being corrupted by that house. God segmented him away to keep him pure and right for God. So God put him away only to send a butler and a cupbearer to rescue him out. And within one day, he is a second in command of Pharaoh. And within that structure, God allowed a drought to hit the world. And guess what happened? That drought meant that God is going to give in a place where they're dreamers a dream to Pharaoh. Only because he decided since Joseph was going to a place that likes dreams, he's going to give him a dream. And teach him to interpret dreams. You got to see how God's providence is bringing all this together. You can't just see Joseph made his brothers. God is saying, no, when there's conflict and I have an agenda attached to this process, you ain't running from my agenda. You're going to be in the conflict. Period. Done. It's like saying, I want to be on a basketball team, but I don't want to play in the game. No, you, the reason for being in this team is to play in the game. That, that's why you're on the team. If you're on a football team, we got to play on Sunday. And they don't want you to win. So they're going to have some conflict on the field. 
God is saying, I have an agenda. I need a marriage to be about Christ and the church. I need a family to represent the image of God upon the earth. I need you to be salt and light. I need my church to ex execute my agenda to the world. I am going to not remove you from my agenda. And if my agenda means you solve conflict, that's where you are. My agenda is to bring the nation of Israel before Joseph, before Jacob, all the way to the time of Abraham. I will take you, put you in a land, and you will stay there 400 years. This has, this is way past them. This has nothing to do with them. This is something that God decided to take a nation and put it with a nation that don't like Semites, don't like Jews. They call them basically desert rats and cutthroat people. And they stink. That's how they looked at Israelites. So when they come to a place that don't like them, they're not going to mess with them. They're not going to intermarry with them. They're not going to deal with them. So they could incubate and become two million people. So God already before Joseph and Abraham, before Joseph and his father Jacob <laughs> told Abraham this years before it ever happened. So even when Joseph is thinking his brothers is beating him up, God is saying, no, I got a plan for you. You're going to suffer 12 years, but guess what? You're going to spend the rest of your life enjoying a wonderful life. So the 12 years of investment is nothing compared to how I will bless you. So God arranged for this conflict to happen because his agenda is never going to be forsaken for anybody's needs. So folks, God is not forsaking his agenda in your life. He's not going to stop what you believe you need to do as if he doesn't have a plan for you. And that's why conflict forces you to confront it. You don't run from conflict, you stand in it. And that's what Joseph is going to show us. You don't run from conflict. The Bible says you get smack dab in the fire because I got you. I can take care of you in fire. I can get you out of fire. I can give you wisdom in it. I can give you strength in it. I can give you the sustenance to make it through. But in the midst of it, you will be get better because you're going to lean on me more. You're going to get better because you're going to trust me more. You're going to get better because you're going to become wiser in my word. You're going to get better because you're going to see my agenda for your life and you're going to start losing yourself and gaining me. And when you do that and you fix your eyes on me, there is great victory. When you go into the conflict with my agenda, agenda ahead of your agenda, you come out better. So I'm not going to run you from a conflict. That's where I mature you. So you confront it. Now I want you to see, it's not like Joseph wanted this. He didn't want to confront this. He wanted to be over with this. Look at chapter 41. He wanted to be over with this. Joseph was interested in, in being involved in this. Look at verse 41 of, of, of and chapter 51. And verse 51 he says, and Joseph named the firstborn Manasseh, Manasseh, or Manasseh, better. For, he said, God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. I got a whole new family and he gave me a kid. Okay? They didn't have fertility clinics and all that stuff in them. Nay, they literally understood that if a child came, that was a gift from God. Okay, that was a gift from God. So he is saying, God today, firstborn child, God today has allowed me in creating a whole new family to forget everybody else. I'm done. God said, oh, you think you're done. That's what happens to many people, you know, <laughs> when it's time to confront conflict. That's what happens to many people. I'm done. Like using them words, I'm done. 
God says, I'm sorry. It just happens to be my game I'm playing. So you don't get to say when you're done. You could say you're done, but I tell you when it's done, done. That, that, that's, that's God. Because some people say, oh, I'm done. I'm out of here. I'm going to go remarry. And guess what God says? You weren't done. Mm-hmm. Some people will bounce out and go to a whole new job. And God says, nope, you weren't done. See, done is when he said it's done. Joseph is saying, I'm done. I'm out of here. I'm through with all them feelings. I've been carrying them feelings around for 12 years in a prison. I've been carrying them feelings around dealing with Potiphar's house. Ain't nobody being in a slave market in my underwear, people looking under my mouth trying to see how valuable I am. I've been through all the humiliation, everything you can think about. I got my hands tied going with a caravan all the way to Egypt, pooping in the ground. I've been through the lowest of lowest humiliation ever because my brothers choose to hate me. I didn't hate them. They hated me. They left me in a well to die. I begged them. You can see it in the passage of Scripture. I could read to you. I begged them to not let me stay in here. And they turned their heart away when I'm crying to them. I couldn't get out of there. There's no way to get out of there. They left me in there to die. They don't even come and check and see if I'm suffering. They don't make their way back there. They go to my daddy and lie. Tell my daddy I'm dead and they're standing here saying I'm dead. I'm not dead. They didn't even check on me. Nothing. After I'm screaming and hollering, begging them to help me, my own brothers. All because my dad chose to love my mother better than their mother. I had nothing to do with that. My dad chose to go love their, their, their mother less. I didn't have anything to do with my grandfather causing my dad to be gypped with the wrong woman. None of that had to do with me. I didn't do that. I didn't cause Laban to put Leah in there when he knew to keep Joseph working because when Joseph works for him, his, his property expands and does great. And since he sees God's blessing on Joseph, he decided to go ahead and keep him seven more years. I had nothing to do with that. I didn't tell Joseph to love my mother better than your mother. I'm just doing what my daddy tell me to do. I didn't go make the coat and put it on myself to look all cute. My dad did that. I didn't tell my dad to love me more than y'all. What did I have to do with this? Sometimes he wanted going to conflict like, I didn't do nothing. Why I got this? And God said, because I put you there. I had nothing to do with this. God says, yeah, you did. Because I call you to my agenda. So I, you got something to do with this. You got something to do with this. Why so anytime I marry a couple, I always tell them, you know this ain't about y'all, right? Y'all get the benefits. But he deals with the package. It ain't about y'all. You're making a vow to God today. So if you think it's about y'all, and <laughs> I'll give you two weeks, you'll find out when the heat go down a little bit. It ain't about y'all. Pastor Kenny, Pastor Ken. Nope, I'm telling you the truth. I know you don't want to hear it. <laughs> okay? Somebody going to fight about the covers. Somebody going to fight about the heat and the cold and the temperature. Somebody puts their car on E. Somebody drives and stops at half a tank. Well, that's when you put in gas. Somebody got to wash their car every week. Somebody don't care. It's just a car. <laughs> 
<laughs> the differences come out more and more and more. Somebody got to take a long time in the restroom when you only got one. They're going there like they're going to live forever. And the other person says, why are you taking up all this time? They don't spray nothing, nothing. You come in with a gas mask on. The truth comes out when the wig comes off. Hallelujah. Could I get a witness? When the snoring starts and the bad breath arrives in the morning. This is the package that you're working with. When the kids who were, oh, this is wonderful, start telling you no. When they decide they're going to go their way at 16, well, what you going to tell me when they go to college and learn psychology <laughs> and philosophy? Y'all dumb. Y'all don't know what's going on. The conflict starts or continues. You come to church <laughs> and you think you're at Living Word Fellowship Church and somebody gets mad at you. Oh, Lord, <laughs> it even happens here. You don't get to choose this. It doesn't, it doesn't always happen because you did something wrong. It's just here. Because why? We're living on earth. Who's loose on earth? Satan. Who has the power to move people around like people on a chessboard? Satan. He moves them around. You can read scripture. I was working with the king of Cyrus to do this, and he did it with him. He, he, he moved people around the way he wants to, and we don't struggle with flesh and blood. We struggle with what? Principalities and powers. So whether you want a conflict or not, you're living on earth. It's going to be here. Stop acting like something strange has happened to you when there's conflict. Why is it going on with me? I didn't do anything. That's why it's happening to you. God wants to do something. So Joseph, verse 8 says this, but Joseph had recognized his brothers, although they didn't recognize him. And guess what came back to Joseph's mind? And he remembered the dream. You got to remember that dream all of a sudden because Joseph said, I was done. So Joseph had to remember. He goes, I'm done. And you don't find this word remember that whole, whole lot in the Old Testament text. And so it's particularly used here to say that Joseph, literally when he named his son, was done. He put all his emotions and history and everything to that son. He was done. He was wrapped. He's not dealing with this anymore. So when he saw his brother, it had to come back to his mind. Because he had put so much energy into making sure it never happened. So this, this story here is 20 years down the road from when Joseph was put in a cistern. 20 years down the road. Joseph's brothers were older when they put him in there. So he could recognize them. But he was 16, 17 years of age. They don't recognize him dressed up like an Egyptian, all his hair cut off, got on clothes, speaking an Egyptian language. And they only saw him at 16, 17. And now 20 years later, here he is standing there. They don't recognize him. But Joseph immediately, and you got to understand how this works, folks. Joseph is not just walking up there and going, oh, yeah, yeah, here. Joseph sees these travelers coming. They dress different. They're Semites. 
Before they were called Jews, they're Semites. They dressed different, and, and they we were coming this to, from Egyptians and from all these different places. They could see the semblance of their tribe and their country in the way they dress. Like me being in a bus, in driving in the back roads of Kenya, and the guy comes in the bus. Because for whatever reason, because of my commitment to the Lord, we're going to leave after the conference is done. I came to do a conference. We're going to leave when it's done. So now we're on this back road at 12 o'clock at night in Kenya. And the guy comes in the bus, and I'm trying to be all African. I'm put on the clothes, and the guy says, oh, we have a Nigerian with us. <laughs> I'm going, uh, like African-American maybe? You know? <laughs> so he starts speaking Igbo. And I'm going... <laughs> I became I became like Ray Charles you know I, I'm like smiling and acting like I know what's going on and he says and he says his language and I'm saying what did he say to the guy next to me he says I don't speak Igbo so we both don't know what he's saying when he finishes saying what he had to say and I'm acting out like because he got his hands out I'm following his body language he, he, he bowed to me because Nigerians are looked at in a certain way and he walks off. Joseph is standing there watching all these different people. He knows that these people are Semites. And Joseph said, whoa, Semites. They travel. They're coming in buying food. There's the only nation that stored it the right way. So they're coming in. And he, Joseph is over all of this. And he's going, whoa, Semites. Wait a minute. Hey, hey, hey. He's looking. The word here, Joseph recognizes brothers, is in an imperfect tense, meaning Joseph is putting a lot of time to inspecting them. They're picking words here to get us to see what's going on in the motion of the text. And Joseph is literally in examining their faces and watching their language and listening to their, watching their clothes and listening to their conversation. It's 10 of them. And Joseph is going, wait a minute. Those are my brothers. Whoa. Joseph confronts it. We ain't done. The minute, this, this is the thing about emotions. <laughs> you could bury them, but they're still alive. <laughs> so Joseph tried to bury it, but guess what happened? Soon as he sees his brothers, remembered. You got to understand emotions in here. You can see the words and just think it's a mental thing. No, it's an emotional thing. He remembered. It came back. I never forget sitting at a light one day. and I just started crying like a baby. Um, I miss my mom. I couldn't stop the, the tap from unwinding itself. It just comes back. This reminds me of that moment where Joseph is going, oh, wow, and I'm the man. Could you imagine that? You have the power to say death and life, and you see the people who left you to die. And in this story, they can literally say, we have another brother, and he is dead. And they're saying that to you. And you just remembered with all these emotions. You just remembered. And they're telling you, you did. And we killed you. Joseph said, oh yeah? We're going to deal with this thing. And he comes to an issue that is huge. That you cannot have, you cannot rebuild a relationship with without it. So Joseph tells us by calling them spies, because the they respond, we're honest men. Oh, yeah, I know the story. You, you ever went back to some friends when you were out in the world, and you said, man, I love Jesus. <laughs> they start laughing at you. <laughs> like, really? Uh-huh. Joseph is saying, we're honest men. 
You, you are, really. Joseph told us, they said honesty to buy a crop. Joseph said honesty matters to have a relationship. See, Joseph went after what they said because you cannot have a relationship without trust. You just can't. You come to Christ, and what does he say? Trust me. Fundamental to what's this whole thing starting off. You must have faith in me, period. You can't have a relationship unless you could put so much trust in the person you're with that you could have faith in them to do what they say they're going to do. A relationship can't exist without it. So Joseph is going, I'm not just trying to solve a conflict. Because Joseph tells us in chapter 45, God, you did evil, but God meant it for good so that my family will not starve. So Joseph is so focused on the agenda of God, and you will see it later. I can't leave you in jail because I fear God. Joseph is on the agenda of God, and the agenda of God says, I got to have a relationship with you, but we're going to challenge this thing called trust. <laughs> you want a relation? I have to have a relationship with you. I have to. But I can't have it without trust. And if you say you're a man of integrity, let's, let, let, let's play this game. Because I don't believe nothing you said. Trust is earned. It's never given. We, 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 we always want to walk around saying, trust me. No, trust you can't get it. It's not, it's not something you could buy in a store. Trust is something you must earn. And it takes time to earn trust. So if a person wants to have a relationship with somebody, you got to learn to trust them. That's why many times people get mad at me. Oh, we've been dating for six months. I ain't marrying y'all. But Pastor Candace, we're in love. No, you ain't. You in heat. <laughs> That's just the truth. I'm so sorry. I, I understand it. I was the same way. I get it. I'm not going to sit up here because I'm a pastor and not be truthful with you. But, it, but it's not, I understand that's where you are, but it's not going to work. You've got to turn your brain on. And you have to be able to trust the people who still have a brain. Your parents, your pastor, people around you, they still have their brain on because they're not in that relationship with you. So you've got to trust the family that God has put around you to tell you if this is the right person. You just can't run into it because you've got to establish trust. You don't know if this person, when you put all your bank account together, you'll see your money. You're about to take everything and put it with this person. You're going to sleep with this person at night. You're unconscious. You could wake up in heaven. You don't know. You're not going to get me. To marry you in six months. You have to learn whether or not you could trust the person that you're going to be with. Folks, it's not about if the person like chitlins or fried chicken or if they like football or basketball and e-harmonize. It's not about white or black or Asian or Hispanic. And none of these things that we let the world determine for us. We let the world decide how relationships work. And God has had a relationship with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They never fell out. They never had a problem. The only conflict they ever had was on the cross because of us. That's it. How could we tell them how relationships work? They could tell us, not we tell them. They've never fell out. 
The one time God turned his back on Jesus Christ was on the cross. And three days later, they hooked back up. Because sins were paid. What does that tell you about a relationship? When sin is out of it, it's cool. But when a lack of integrity is in the middle of it, it's not going to work. So Joseph said, I have to have a relationship with you. So let's deal with what you're calling yourselves trustworthy. I never, even in choosing leaders, I'm just focusing on one. Are they godly men, godly women? Got nothing to do with black, white, Asian, Hispanic, whether they like chitlins or soccer or football. I don't really care. I honestly don't care. I just joke about football because it's fun to joke about. If the Cowboys lose, I ain't going to die they, next year. <laughs> That's the thing about the sports. There's always a next year if the Lord allow you to live. Even if you're a Super Bowl champion, next year you ain't. Kansas City, oh, that only lasts a year. So what am I getting excited for? One year? I'll get excited about it for a month and I'm through. What I'm focused on is what works forever. That's what matters. We're going to be with each other forever, you know. Forever and forever and forever. God ain't got no suburbs and urban community in heaven. You don't need none of that. So Joseph focuses on this. He says in verse 13, they keep arguing back and forth. And Joseph says, no, 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 you're spies. Because that legitimizes Joseph being able to put them in jail. So you're spies. I'm going to lock you up. There was undefended places in Egypt. I don't know what you're coming here for. So that's why they said, we can't be spies because we are from a family. We're not from a country. That's their argument. Their argument is, how can we be spies? We're from a daddy. We're not from a country. So what are we going to be spying for? Joseph said, well, I already know that. Don't forget now, they're speaking to a translator. So they're thinking Joseph has to wait on this translator to understand them when Joseph is understanding them. Now watch this carefully. And Joseph said, <laughs> I'm going to test you because I got to reaffirm trust. So look at verse 10. He says, in verse 10, and he said to him, and he's constantly repeating this, this argument going on. You got to just, you know, it's, it's, it sounds because we're going from verse to verse to verse that it's just, you know, they're talking after each other. No, 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 no. They're talking to each other. It's an imperfect tense, meaning Joseph is saying, you are spies. No, we're not. You, you are spies. No, we're not. And then that's why they started to get real humble. And they started demonstrating humility. We are your servants. They're speaking because they're arguing with him, but they're trying to give him respect for his authority. But they're arguing. They're arguing. And they're going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And Joseph said, enough. Let's dance. They're arguing. But they're doing it so respectfully. We are your servants. We are from a father who has, ten, who has 12 sons, but one has died. We're not spies. How can we be spies? We're not coming from a country. We don't have a king that we're serving. We're just coming in here. No, you are spies. Joseph is getting loud. You're spies. No, we're not spies. Joseph said, okay, well, then let's test this thing. The word test means let's take this diamond and see if it will cut glass. you got words already out there. You've reaffirmed these words. You've repeatedly said that these words are true. Okay, well, let's test it then. That's why a relationship goes through test. And we get mad. I pray with my sons and say, God, if this is for, they're supposed to be married, get them trouble. You got to test it. 
If when you test it, it turns out in times of trouble, in times of pain, in times of hardship, people bounce. You don't want to get married when God is saying marriage is trouble. God is saying marriage is trouble, and in trouble they're gone. They don't return your phone call. They take you over Facebook. They're telling you loud, when trouble comes, I'm not here. Look at Romans, look at Proverbs chapter 17, verse 17. This is a friend. He tells us who a friend is. That's why Joseph is stuck here. Joseph has to make his point right here. He's not being mean. He's saying, I have to have a friendship with you. I have to relationship with you. You are my brothers. You didn't look at it that way, but I look at it the way God designed it. God designed it that you are my brother, so I have to have a relationship with you because you're my brothers, period. I have a relationship with you because we are supposed to be a nation together. And we are supposed to establish this nation. So for God's agenda, I have to have a relationship with you. I have to. God can't carry out an agenda here at the living word if I don't commit to that relationship with you. I mean, I know all your names, but I'm going to study your faces. I'm going to be in that for you whenever COVID is gone. <laughs> I'll be there. Because I commit, I don't care how many people join living word. I thank God people are still joining the church in the pandemic, but I'm still going to learn. This is, a, this, is, this is Proverbs chapter 17, verse 17. I'm glad, I hope you, hopefully you're there. It says, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born in what? Oh, we got to read it again. A friend loves at all times. Doesn't matter what you're going through, a friend is there. And a brother is born, is born, comes to life in adversity. They don't walk away. They become stronger towards you in adversity. So Joseph said, let's have some adversity. You're going to jail. I don't need to have a court hearing. There ain't no NAACP here. I'm, you're going to jail. That's it. I'm putting all 10 of you in jail. And you, in this jail system, you don't get sentenced to five years or 10 years. You could just be there and they don't really ever bring up a case. He is there. This is, this is what they call what? Political prison. Political prison. You don't have to do anything wrong. Like you see the guy in Russia, he's locked up. We're going to move him to another jail cell. That's exactly what Joseph is doing to them, and they know it. He says to them, come on, man. Look at verse 14. Because <laughs> you just got you telling me I'm dead. And Joseph said to them, it is I. If, if it is as I said to you, you are spies. Stop arguing. I'm done here. By this, you will be tested. By the life of Pharaoh, you shall not go from this place unless your youngest brothers come here. Exclamation point. Come here. Why is that? Why is not here in the first place if you're honest men? See, if you were honest men, my daddy would let you bring him too. Because he's an older man now. I'm older. So he's older now. Why didn't he travel with you? My dad don't trust you. So why should I trust you when my own father, who you told, that trusts you so much, told that I'm dead, he didn't even go looking because he believed in y'all. But because I'm dead, he don't believe in y'all anymore to send another son he loves. So therefore, I am not going to let you out of here until the oldest son, the youngest son come here. My brother, my, old, my full brother shows up here. 
Because that tells me my daddy trusts you. And if you start reading, his dad is going crazy to release him. Dad didn't want to release him. Reuben and everybody had to beg. And he had to put his own family, kill my family if he doesn't come back. Kill him. Just kill all my family. If he doesn't come back, I will die to make sure he come back. That's the only way his father released him. Because Joseph said, this solves two problems for me. I miss my brother. And number two, I don't trust you. If you could kill me, you could kill him. So he arrived here safe, then we got something to talk about. Until then, no. What is Joseph establishing? Everything I just said about trust. What does Jesus Christ do before you said trust him? Die on a cross, rose from the dead, give us a Bible. Sit at the right hand of the Father. And then he says, trust me. There was things that he did, even as God, to earn his trust. Trust is never given. It's earned. You can't just tell a person, well, I'm the wife here. Should you trust me? No, 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 earn it. I'm the husband. Earn it. My kids would tell you, raising them, when I make a promise, I will never violate it. Because if there's somebody you must be able to trust, it's your father as boys. I will never violate my trust. Never. Never. You'll never see me tell you a lie. Because you must learn to trust the Father, and that's how you learn to trust God. You can't violate that. Understand. Joseph says, bump all that. I don't believe nothing y'all saying. Bring him back. And that's why, folks, trust is attached to creating peace. It's not attached to gain trust. It's for a relationship. Look down to verse 615. Uh, verse 16. Send one of you that he may get your brother while you remain confined, that your words may be tested. You said something, prove it. And he's constantly saying this. I wish you could see this in the motion of the text. He's constantly saying this to them. He's like repeating himself like a, like a senior person sometimes repeat themselves, you know. He's repeating himself. Just pop, just repeating himself. You're not just telling him this once. He's standing there going, until my brother come here. You're not understanding me. Until my brother come here. <laughs> you don't, you're going to stay right here. Uh, you could send one of y'all, one of y'all, whatever you pick. Go among yourselves and pick somebody. I'll pick somebody. And they're sitting there looking at him. There's no more conversation. You're not hearing me. You s go pick somebody. Get my brother back here. I'm bringing him back safe. You're not understanding me. Get my brother and bring him back here safe. The brother you took me from, that's what he's saying in his heart. The brother you stole 20 years away my life from, the brother that I grew up real close to, you took him away. Now you do something and bring him here. I feel this. The army took my brother. Gone 20-some years in the military. The minute he retired, guess where I was? Germany. Let's hang out. That's who I grew up with like this. Everybody in my family were going this way, that way, because my mom wanted everybody to be educated, going to states, England, all these different places. The two people that was left was me and my brother. And the army took him away. The first person you want to see is, where's my brother? Where yet? Oh, I'm finally retired. I'm at home. Germany. Let's hang out. I feel that. He says, <laughs> especially when the army wasn't sure we're going to bring him back. He says, <laughs> watch this carefully, folks, in verse 18. 
I got to send all of y'all back. You know why? I fear God. In other words, I can't keep you away from a father who I know love you. And I can't keep you away from a family that will starve. Because I have to get food to them. And it needs all of y'all to go. Look, look, look how many people came to Egypt. Seventy people came to Egypt. So Joseph would have stopped 10 minus 70, 60 people would have died if Joseph didn't send them back. So Joseph said, I fear God. You got to go back. But I'm keeping the one who I know is the ugliest of all. Because if you come back for the one you know is evil, <laughs> you must be straight. You don't come back for the one you know is evil. You say, well, it's about time we get rid of Simeon. He's been messed up for a long time. You ever got somebody in your family that's messed up? And they say, come to the house? What are we going to be doing over there? Y'all know they messed up. You, you, you think about it. Guess what? He kept Simeon. Why does he pick Simeon? He knows Simeon is the messed up one. So they come back for Simeon and bring the brother. What an oxymoron. What a contrast. They bring back the brother that I know they don't like for a brother they shouldn't like. So if they do that, they must be honest men. And once that is done, I have to have a relationship with them because that's all it needs to be, trust. They don't have to be right. They have to have done everything right in the past. They don't have to do everything right now. What they have to do is to do exactly what they say they are, to prove their trust, earn their trust. And once they do that, the fundamental common denominator for relationship is in place, and I must move that way. And you saw him by chapter 45 saying, it is me. You see, folks, because living with conflict is a journey to peace. Living with conflict is not, a, is not just to have conflict and be mad and upset and I don't want to see the person anymore and to get in your corner. That's not living with conflict. Living with conflict is remember that when you're in a boxing match, you may be beaten in the second round, but there is a third round. Bang! And the person who hits the bang is God, his word. And he says, come on out. Come on out. I've already fought this fight. I just want to see if you're going to believe in me. So both people win. Because it's not about losing and winning in this fight. It's about staying in it because I said, bing. It's about staying in this fight because I put you in the ring. It's about staying in this fight because I tell you you can't get out. I tell you when you could be in marriage and when you get out of marriage. I tell you when you could be in a church and when you get out of a church. I tell you when you could be in a job and get out of a job. I tell you the family that you put you in, that's the family I have you in. You stay there. I tell you to stay in the ring, you stay in the ring. And if I create a conflict in the ring, you fight the conflict based on my words. Because I said, bing! Our culture tells us to run. You could get somebody else. Now look at how messed up we are today. If they were so right, why is stuff so wrong? If they were so right, why do we have all these sexual diseases? If they were so right, why do we have kids killing themselves? If they're so right, why do we have a world that is nasty? If they're so right, why is things so wrong? 
folks, I say this thing and I conclude. Peace is not something that you could create or I could create. Peace is a person. The Holy Spirit is our peace. So the more a person grows in the Holy Spirit is the more the fruit of the Spirit empowers them to establish peace. But peace many times comes after a war. Because when peace comes, it's because two people in a war fought based on the rules of God, did what God tell them to do. And when you obey God, guess who grows up inside of you? The Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit says, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. The Holy Spirit said, you are more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. So if we truly believe in the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit came to testify the truth, and to grow inside of us, and to mature inside of us, and to develop inside of us, and the more we obey the Word of God, is the more He grows. The more we obey the Word of God, is the more He grows. The more we obey the Word of God, is the more He grows. The more we obey the Word of God, is the more He grows. And the more He grows inside of us, is the more the flesh dies. And the more the flesh dies, is the more there's less abusive language, there's less friction, there's less conflict based on the, the labels of the flesh. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 through 19, all of that goes away and we start walking in the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is peace, long-suffering, gentleness, and guess what comes out of it? Love. You don't fight for peace. You fight to obey God and die to yourself. And then you bring peace into the ring. And peace, peace is not a feeling. It's a person. And when he becomes the dominant factor in the ring, he doesn't erase conflict. He just makes you stronger in it. To where you go in a lion's den, you could stand in front of Goliaths. You could take a whipping on your back five times, 39 times, and be anxious for nothing. You could be broke, and you could be content. You could go through whatever trials, even if it's a fiery furnace, and come out without smelling like smoke. Because he doesn't remove conflict. He just makes you a conqueror in it. Let's stand.